Alright, good afternoon. This is your host, Big B the D. Welcome to another episode of Thunder Down Under. Today's episode is entitled When IBS and Crohn's Attacks with our special guest, Mr. Steven Stevo. Say hello. Hi. Good at, good to have you. But before we get to that, we'll explore uh, the basics of IBS and Crohn's. You might be asking yourself, uh, what is IBS? In short, it's known as irritable bowel syndrome, also referred to as a spastic colon. Um, this is known as an uh, intestinal disorder causing pain in the abdomen. Um, you might be asking yourself as well, how many people in the U.S. actually get this, or how many people around the world get this? Um, well, about 11% of the population of the world has it, so that's 770 million people mm-hmm. on average. Yeah. Um, and then in the U.S. itself, you have 25 to 45 million people that encounter this uh, ailment. So... How do you know if you have this issue? Well, the signs and symptoms can include abdominal pain, bloating, constipation, or diarrhea. Um, there's also um, some urgent need to defecate or go to the bathroom um, at some times, but that's not always the case. Now, there are three types of IBS. So, the first type is IBS-C. Well, in this form of irritable bowel syndrome, you have hard, lumpy stool, which can be really hard to clear out of you. For sure. <laughs> the second form of IBS is IBS-D, where you have loose, runny stool. It's almost like diarrhea um, just flowing out of you at all times. Oh, yeah. Um, then the third form is IBS, just it's the mixed form. So you have a little bit of diarrhea or you have just lumpy stool at any given time. Mm-hmm. Now, that can be hard to differentiate between the other two. Um, you can also ask yourself, what can cause IBS? Well... The real cause is kind of unknown, but you also have things such as medications that can cause it, such as antibiotics or pain meds. In the case of IBS-C, pain medications can suck the water out of your defecate and then cause it to be lumpy hard stools, which irritate your bowels. Another form is emotional stress. Um, A quick aside to that is I had IBS for a while because of emotional stress. Another cause is digestive tract infections, such as an E. coli-based infection, which we'll get into a little bit later. So how do you get diagnosed for this? Well, generally, you have to go to the doctor, and then the doctor will perform a colonoscopy. I mean, if you have the signs and symptoms, which have to be clinically diagnosed by the doctor, then you have IBS. There we go. All right, so... Now we go into what are the treatments and cures. There is not one cure noted for every person, but some of the treatments that they have um, would be change your diet. Seems easier than it sounds. Very easy. (laughs) Um, So this would include limiting caffeine, lactose intake, so your milk or uh, your uh, cheeses. Exactly. And increasing your dietary fiber to help you clear that fecal matter out of your colon. Yes. Um, increase your exercise. If you're a smoker, stop smoking. Yeah, That's obviously. simple. Um, taking probiotics to help your, your gut flora. Um, and <laughs> if you have emotional stress as a trigger for it, take antidepressants. Um, I'm not a big proponent of antidepressants for this because it can cause a multitude of other side effects, but... To each their own. Now, a lot of people wonder, is IBS fatal? Most of the time, people say no, but 
it is fatal in very, very extreme cases, and it's very, very rare that you will see it fatal. And the reason it becomes fatal is a person does not seek medical attention when they're having those loose stools that are just dehydrating them. And that's how the person passes is because of dehydration. Yeah. Um, the other issue becomes is when you have the IBSC form, you can, become, you can have what's called an ileus or a blockage in your intestines, which then can cause a rupture. So that can cause you to go septic, and that's a whole other issue. Oh, yeah. Now, segueing into Crohn's, IBS and peptic ulcers caused by E. coli infections in your colon, this can cause Crohn's as well. So they kind of culminate together to create Crohn's disease. You may ask yourself now, how many people does it affect per year? Well, in the U.S., it's less than 200,000 per year are diagnosed. Your fatalities per year are 439, but overall, 25 to 40% of the population of Crohn's will pass with complications of Crohn's. Yes. So that's a good population, good size of the population. Um, your signs and symptoms, um, abdominal pain, nausea and vomiting. You're going to have diarrhea, so very similar to IBS. Yeah. Um, a lot of defecation, so you'll be pooping a lot. Very much so. <laughs> uh, you'll have, if, when it becomes more severe, you get fever and chills, Yeah. Um, fatigue, and actually you could have what's called a fistula in your rectum. So this is where you have leakage that erodes portions of your rectum, and your fecal matter will kind of slowly leak into that fistula, which could cause infection, and you may have to have a surgery for it. Yep. Um, causes. Once again, the causes are kind of unknown, but the most commonly associated issue to cause Crohn's disease is autoimmune or hereditary issues. Yeah. So if your autoimmune system is going crazy and starts attacking your colon, that's one way it's made. Treatments. So you have Remicade infusions, which is a form of chemo or radiation yeah. used to basically destroy any of the, or limit your autoimmune response to the infection that causes it. Exactly. You use probiotics. That'll help with that gut flora again. Now, sometimes they require surgery, which could be like a colonostomy or a colostomy where they take out portions of your colon. Yeah. Um, Very true. Diet change is another one. Mm -hmm. Increased exercise, which... It can help, but it's not like a end-all, cure-all for that. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> um, now, that being said, there are other issues that can follow with Crohn's disease. And the amount of trauma and repetitive issues with the colon would be that it leads to colorectal cancer eventually in some severe cases. So it is imperative that people with this disease go and get checked by the proctologist. Um, so that being said, we're going to now move into the segment where Mr. Steven the Stevo um, gives us a real-life experience because he has had Crohn's disease for a while now. Now, Mr. Steven, uh, tell us kind of how, uh, how everything started with you. Yeah, uh, so basically I was finishing up high school. I think I was like a month or two... Uh, done with school and my friend goes hey man we should totally uh, go out and start working and I was like okay I need to make some money anyways and uh, I, I go into the job now again 
I started working at like four in the morning until like almost five in the afternoon. So Mm -hmm. it was like a, you know, over 12 hour shift. And in that first month and a half, I started having symptoms of, uh, I needed to use the restroom. And again, my diet was being changed there just because I was waking up so early in the morning and eating Mm -hmm. so early and, uh, you know, spices and like, I would get something spicy or uh, my whole life I ate spicy food and I was fine. But I think that that diet change plus that like change of, you know, being in a new environment Mm -hmm. caused maybe some stress like we were reading about or just some sort of uh, issue with my stomach that wasn't uh, known before. Yeah. So from there, basically, I started using the restroom and I could not stop using the restroom. And every I think it was every 20 minutes I was using the restroom and nothing but liquid was coming out. So. After that, I I was like, okay, well, maybe I have diarrhea. Maybe I ate something wrong. And it proceeded for the next week, for two weeks. And and I just felt really bad. Even at home, I I would just go to sleep because I felt literally tired and drained. Just like how we were Mm -hmm. talking about, like, the diarrhea will take away all of your your nutrients from you. Mm -hmm. And eventually... I was weighing, I I was a pretty big boy. I almost weighed 200 pounds. I was around 190 something. By the end of when I finally left the job and I got really, really sick before I saw the doctor, I was weighing between 130 and 115 around there. So that was over what, like six weeks? Over, yeah, over six weeks, maybe, maybe... Mm -hmm maybe two months I lost that much weight so you lost like a, almost a third of your body weight at that point. basically and, mm-hmm. and it was it was so terrible because I've never been that skinny mm-hmm. and it was frightening because nobody knew what was going on and and finally we went to like a specialist and they were like telling me oh you just have like the stomach flu or you got something but nobody really checked me out and then finally we met a, a doctor his name is actually Stephen as well and his Stephen Lou and he he was like I think I know what you have because I've been at the doctors for probably for the, you know, for the next two months, constantly, every other week I've been going, getting checked out. And he was like, I think you have like irritable bowel dis- uh, disease. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but it sounds like it hurts. And, <laughs> and that's the reason why I was just like, okay. But then he did some more tests and he's like, I think you actually have Crohn's. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm assuming is what it develops into mm-hmm. uh, from the IBS. Well, when did you find out you had peptic ulcers? So when when they finally did the the camera work, mm, they the endoscopy. went exactly. They mm. went in through uh, both ways, mouth mm. and anus, and uh, they they checked out that I had a bunch of ulcers. I had uh, three or four patches mm-hmm. around my stomach lining. Okay, and they were like it's and I had it in I guess in their categories. It was pretty severe in the uh, colon area. Okay. That's when they were starting to freak out and being like, Stephen, you need to, we need to do something because it's really drastic in that area. Mm-hmm. And that area can literally, you know, go bad. Yeah. Um, so that's the reason why I started freaking out. And, um, you know, from, from there on, he was just like, listen, we're going to have to either do surgery on you or we're going to have to do this thing called Remicade. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's like, and if the Remicade doesn't work, then unfortunately, we don't know what to do with you. We're going to have to do surgery. And if that works, then you're going to keep living. And if not, you're 
basically it was telling me that I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when I, I had, came and uh, saw you at Children's Healthcare, you looked really, really rough at that point. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming that's before you even, even saw the doctor. Yeah. Because that was like, we didn't know what was going on. You were on the toilet for like a week. And exactly. We had to... We had to get you over there. Exactly, and that and that's the reason why I was I was so scared for for my life, just because mm-hmm. I just turned. I think I was still seventeen or eighteen, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Am I really gonna die this quick?" Yeah, like I just finished school. Like th- this sucks. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's a scary thought, but unfortunately, it, it happened to me, and um, and, and that's what I'm I'm dealing with now. I, I use um, oh, what's it called, Stellara. Okay. So I do that now. I don't use the Remicade anymore. Explain how the Remicade infusions work. Yeah, basically, so they would sit you down and you'd be like, all right, for the next three to four hours, mm-hmm. we're going to infuse you with the, the special medicine yeah, that they the give dye, you. They, exactly. So they, they dilute you or something first. They put some like saline mm-hmm. and then they kind of like get that through you and then they put the actual medicine through you. Now, for the next three hours, where we would just sit down. It would be like a huge, not a huge place, but it'd be like a, an area where maybe up to, I want to say 12 adults or, or children can sit around, watch a movie, eat some snacks, but nothing too, uh, uh, too you know, messed up that your stomach will start getting messed up. Like mm-hmm. no Doritos and stuff yeah. like that. It'd be more like chewy stuff that comes out really soft. Mm-hmm. It reminds me almost of dialysis. Exactly. At that point. Exactly. Um, so, so that's what we would do. And, ooh. uh, it was it was fun. <laughs> so has it affected you in any other ways, as in like your um, your home life or how you have to go to the bathroom at work or anything like that, or driving like long distances for trips? Yeah. So um, actually, the when I was still dealing with that, I dealt with that for almost two years, mm-hmm. and then afterwards with work. Um, I mean, yeah, I would go to the restroom. I would really watch and what I would eat because mm-hmm. I was so afraid that that I would trigger this because it's called a flare up. Yeah. If it, if it, if it triggers something else and I could, you know, start having diarrhea again and it could cause my ulcers to start going crazy. But with the Remicade, it did do a really good job, you know, sustaining that and kind of like, uh, dumbing it down to where I don't feel as much pain. Mm -hmm. I still have a sharp pain on my bottom left stomach area, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's calmed down to the point where I don't have that pain constantly. constantly. So yeah, that's probably still that uh, that peptic ulcer getting a little irritated. Yeah, yeah it's that one. Um, so, so that's the thing. It's just yeah. it, it's wild. <laughs> it's a wild <laughs> yeah. journey. Well, thank you for uh, for explaining all that and taking yeah. the time to yeah, no to uh, explain this to the class. Um, that's all for this week, and hopefully we'll see you in the next episode of Thunder Down Under.